Hey everyone, welcome back to all my listeners. This is episode 17 of season 10. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. My name is Sonal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, welcome back, you guys. I hope you all had a great and very happy Christmas, and Santa was good to all of you this year. I also hope you had some time to reflect and practice some gratitude and enjoy your blessings and had a chance to give back to those in need of a little extra this holiday season. Now, let's get into today's episode. It's the last Wednesday of the month, so you know it is my newsworthy fraud and waste and abuse highlights for the month of December. And of course, I'll be spotlighting some of those from the month's criminal and civil enforcement cases that I find newsworthy. And in my trusty tip, I wanted to go over reinforcing compliance. And of course, I'm going to close out the episode and round it out with a remarkable quote on perseverance by B.F. Skinner. This episode is sponsored by Utilization Management University. Let's dive into it. Whether you are involved in the business of healthcare or any other business, what do you, your teams, and your management concentrate on the most? Typically, they communicate, problem solve, and make strategic decisions that drive the success of the organization. But how much time is actually spent in making tomorrow better? than today? Are they striving for operational excellence? Prevention versus correction is a concept that's been known for years. So why do so many companies not implement the process? Utilization Management University provides a course that proves to be a unique solution to instill change in the mindset of business teams. This course provides the theory and the practical approach This course will demonstrate how to implement a simple methodology as a solution. This course provides a detailed explanation of each and every step involved in prioritizing your problems and finding the root cause. This course shows how to engage team buy-in. This course readily provides available support for any issues. And the course provides the theory and helps you adapt it to your own individual circumstances. Check out the details at www.utilizationmanagementuniversity.com today and get registered. Utilization Management University, making tomorrow better. So let's get into newsworthy. The month's fraud, waste, and abuse cases. The month of December saw a whopping 49 cases as of the recording of this episode. Early December saw a case involving a lab owner pleading guilty to $1.7 million of COVID-19 test fraud schemes. Here, a Texas man pleaded guilty to orchestrating a fraudulent scheme to obtain approximately $1.7 million from Medicare. He pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to solicit or receive kickbacks for referrals to a federal health care program. He will be sentenced in March 2024 and faces a maximum penalty of five years in federal prison. According to court documents, as the owner of the lab, he admitted that he and others, including providers and others with access to patient information, began sharing Medicare beneficiary information so that the lab company could bill Medicare for over-the-counter COVID-19 tests. In exchange for the patient information, he would pay a kickback 
based on reimbursement from Medicare to the medical providers or other individuals. He tried to conceal the kickback payments through the use of pass-through arrangements and cash payments. The man submitted nearly $4 million in claims for the over-the-counter COVID-19 tests and received approximately $1.7 million in reimbursement for these claims. In addition, he paid approximately $149,066 in bribes and kickbacks. Early December also saw indictments to a Medicaid consultant for stealing from elderly nursing home victims. A Massachusetts grand jury has returned indictments of 16 counts against a Medicaid consultant who stole thousands of dollars from elderly victims, her employer, and a local bank. During these alleged acts, she was employed as a Medicaid consultant and she regularly assisted elderly residents of various nursing homes to complete applications for MassHealth. As part of the process of assisting elderly residents to apply and become eligible for MassHealth, the Attorney General's offices alleges that she was able to readily gain access to residents' financial information. The AG's investigation found that since at least 2022, the Medicaid consultant engaged in a scheme to steal money from at least three elderly nursing home victims. She allegedly forged multiple signatures to grant herself a false durable power of attorney, then used those false power of attorneys to access and steal from one victim's bank account. She also allegedly wrote false checks from her victims to herself in the sum of tens of thousands of dollars. Additionally, the AG's office found that during her employment with a Medicaid consulting company, she also used the consulting company's credit card to complete unauthorized online retail purchases that were delivered to her residential address and intended for her personal use. Her employment with that Medicaid consulting company was ultimately terminated. All of the charges here are allegations only and the defendant is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Mid-December saw a company selling migraine treatment devices who's agreed to resolve allegations of False Claims Act violations. This Utah-based company has entered into a settlement agreement with the United States to resolve its civil liability relating to a device it sold and marketed to treat migraines. This resolution requires the company to make monetary payments to the U.S. based on its ability to pay. Now, the government alleges that between July 2013 through July 2017, the company violated the False Claims Act, the FCA, by causing medical providers to submit false claims to the Medicare program for procedures using a device called the Sphenocath. The Sphenocath was intended to treat migraine headaches by administering nerve blocks to the sphenopalatine ganglion, or SPG which is a collection of nerves located deep in the mid-face of the skull. Now, the government alleged the sphenocath was not approved nor authorized by the FDA for use in SPG nerve blocks for the treatment of headaches. The government also alleged the company instructed, coached, and encouraged medical providers to submit improper billing codes to Medicare for reimbursement of services using the sphenocath device. And in a related criminal matter, the company's former chief executive officer pleaded guilty in October 2023 to misdemeanor charges of causing the introduction of misbranded and adulterated devices into interstate commerce. 
As part of his guilty plea, the former CEO admitted that the company did not seek approval, nor did they seek clearance from the Food and Drug Administration to distribute the Sphenocaf for the intended use of treating headaches. He also admitted that while the FDA had recommended in April 2014 that the company proceed with investigational studies regarding the Sphenocaf's safety and effectiveness, the company never conducted any such study. Instead, the former CEO and the company continued to market the Sphenocath with the intention that it be used to treat migraine headaches by administering SPG nerve blocks. The civil settlement resolves claims brought under the KETAM or whistleblower provisions of the FCA by a physician. The act permits private parties to sue for false claims on behalf of the United States and to share in any recovery. This physician will receive a share of the proceeds from the FCA settlements. Mid-December also saw a cardiologist charged with healthcare fraud and bribery. According to the indictment, since at least 2016, the cardiologist operated a medical clinic in New York, with his patient base consisting of many individuals of limited economic means who were insured by government healthcare programs. In order to ensure a steady flow of new patients to his clinic, he paid rental payments to other providers pursuant to purported leases for office space. Often, however, the timing and the amount of these payments bore no relation to the terms of those leases. He allegedly made the purported lease payments to induce other providers to refer patients to his staff members, who, under his direction, periodically traveled to the provider's offices performed basic tests on the referred patients, and convinced the patients to attend follow-up appointments at his clinic. Once the patients arrived at his clinic, often without understanding why they had been referred to the practice, they underwent a series of diagnostic tests and follow-up office visits. These tests and office visits generally were not based on the patient's actual treatment needs. Rather, the cardiologists and others acting at his direction ordered these tests and office visits to create documentation sufficient to justify subjecting patients to unnecessary peripheral vascular interventional procedures, which are surgical procedures focused on clearing purported blockages in the blood vessels of patients' legs. He directed others to, among other things, fabricate the descriptions of patients' symptoms recorded in the practice's office visit notes, varying those symptoms across patients so that it was not apparent that the symptoms were fake. As a result of his scheme, patients at the clinic, many of whom were already in poor health, routinely underwent medically unnecessary vascular interventions at his office, with some patients undergoing 10 or more interventional procedures over the course of several years. The patient's conditions often did not improve despite these repeated interventions. Through his operating entity, he billed Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurers over $100 million for the relevant vascular procedures. He is charged with one count of conspiracy to commit healthcare fraud and wire fraud, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. One count of healthcare fraud, which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison, one count of conspiracy to violate the anti-kickback statute, which carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison, and one count of violation of the anti-kickback statute, which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison.
The maximum potential sentences here are informational only and prescribed by Congress. Any sentencing of this defendant will be determined by the judge. The charges contained in this indictment are merely allegations and the defendant is presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. Late December saw a psychologist sentenced to 27 months in federal prison for a $2.6 million healthcare fraud scheme. Here, a Connecticut man was sentenced to 27 months of imprisonment, followed by three years of supervised release for operating a $2.6 million healthcare fraud scheme. According to court documents and statements made in court, the man was a licensed psychologist who, along with his wife, maintained separate medical practices out of their home office in Connecticut. The pair were authorized providers for the Connecticut Medicaid program, Medicare, as well as other health care benefit programs. He assumed responsibility for submitting claims for reimbursement for services allegedly provided by himself and his wife, both at their home office and at various skilled nursing facilities within Connecticut. For years, he allegedly billed insurers for services that he knew were not rendered, including by billing for patients who were deceased, for dates of service when he was out of the country, for dates of service when his wife was out of the country, and for dates of service when he himself was hospitalized. From 2014 through 2019, he submitted more than 80,000 claims for service, and he claimed to have provided services every single day, including weekends and holidays, except for one day in 2017. On 60 of these dates, he billed for more than 24 hours of service, and on 901 dates, he billed for more than 12 hours of service. These fraudulent claims resulted in a loss of over $2.6 million, including a loss of over $1.1 million to the Connecticut Medicaid program and a loss of over $100,000 to Medicare. In 2022, he settled a federal civil lawsuit alleging health care fraud, which was brought by the government in the Southern District of New York. He agreed to pay $4 million in restitution and was excluded from participating in all federal health care programs, including Medicare and Medicaid, for five years. The judge ordered him to pay restitution in the amount over $2.6 million. In December 2022, he pleaded guilty to health care fraud. He is required to report to prison in March 2024. Now, there were many, many of the other usual suspects as well in the month of December, from nursing abuses, DME fraud, and genetic testing schemes galore, prescription drugs, opioids, and pill mills cases, and even more cases involving kickbacks and bribery schemes. But I wanted to pay particular attention to a case involving a company who's agreed to pay over $14 million to resolve allegations that they violated the False Claims Act. This company, through its marketing and enrollment process for remote cardiac monitoring services, knowingly submitted false claims to federal health care programs for a higher level of remote cardiac monitoring service than physicians had intended to order or which was medically necessary thus resulting in a higher level of reimbursement to the company. Specifically, the United States contends that during the period of July 1, 2014 through December 31, 2020, these defendants marketed their ACT-3L device, also known as ACT-3L and the MCT-3L, 
to doctors as being capable of performing three different types of heart monitoring services. Number one, Holter, number two, event monitoring, and number three, telemetry. Of these, Holter provided the lowest rate of reimbursement from federal healthcare programs, and telemetry provided the highest rate of reimbursement. The United States contends that these defendants knew the design of the company's online enrollment portal for its device, which caused unwitting staff to select these options that would enroll the patient in telemetry, the highest in reimbursement, even when the doctor intended to order a less expensive service. Now, the United States also contends that these defendants' sales personnel instructed these staff members to select these options even when these defendants knew that the clinic's physicians intended to order event monitoring for many or all of its patients, and then provided and billed for telemetry services anyway. Defendants also allegedly disregarded notes clinics included in their enrollments that specifically requested event monitoring and did not consistently comply with clinics' instructions about the appropriate handling of their enrollments, even after such issues were brought to the defendants' attention. The civil settlement includes the resolution of claims brought under the KETAM, or whistleblower provisions of the False Claims Act, by an individual employed by one of the defendant's customers, and an LLC. Under those provisions, a private party can file an action on behalf of the United States and receive a portion of any recovery. The claims resolved by the settlement are allegations only, and there has been no determination of liability. And now it's time for my best practice tips in trusty tip. So I wanted to go ahead and reinforce the importance of compliance with the Medicare program specifically. Now, of course, compliance is definitely recommended for those thousands of commercial carriers as well, right? Because it's certainly without a doubt, in my opinion, considered to be the best practice to avoid any and all allegations of fraud, waste, and abuse. And remember, those violations for the False Claims Act are significant because they've revised penalties for 2023. So the per claim violation was $12,537. As of 2023, it is $13,508 per claim. Now, the maximum penalty has increased from $25,076 to $27,018 per claim. So keep those increases in mind, right? Because they will raise them again in 2024. So keeping all of these details in mind, remember to review all coding and billing before claim submission to ensure correct coding, because these mistakes can be viewed as errors or result in larger abuse, according to Medicare. Remember to ensure medical necessity is warranted for all of your diagnostic tests that you've ordered because these inefficiencies result in waste, according to Medicare. Remember to avoid upcoding and downcoding of your ENM services, those evaluation and management services, because these improper billing practices result in abuse, according to Medicare. Remember to avoid excessively charging for services or supplies, because these improper billing practices result again in abuse, according to Medicare. Never bill for services or supplies that were not provided because these are intentional deceptions and will no doubt result in fraud. 
So in my experience, other examples of improper claims include reporting a greater severity of illness than actually existed, or reporting more expensive treatments than actually were provided, or reporting improper supervision or performance of a service by unqualified personnel, or reporting the unbundling of services. And of course, improper claims with modifier abuses that I've stressed in so many episodes over these past three years. But by painting all of the details of the medical picture, a provider's documentation will support the medical necessity for a certified medical coder to abstract codes with accuracy. And by painting all of these fine details into the medical picture, providers will avoid these greater allegations of fraud, waste, and abuse. And finally, I focus season 10 spark on perseverance. I want this 10th season spark to be filled with our world's thought leaders, writers, artists, philosophers, everyone who inspires the need for perseverance in all we strive to do. So in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from B.F. Skinner. A failure is not always a mistake. It may simply be the best one can do under the circumstances. The real mistake is to stop trying. So very true, right? This quote reminds us that the real mistakes are when we stop trying. Otherwise, all of our missteps are just our efforts gone sideways. Not a failure, just a misstep from the path. This quote encourages us to keep going, to keep working, to keep finding the path. It is this relentless perseverance that leads to our inevitable success. I'm happy BF Skinner's spark still burns brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. And as always, I appreciate you all diving into today with me. If you want more information from me, please go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Now, as 2023 soon ends, the new year for 2024 brings us all hope, new chances, new attempts, new pages to write new stories, to document our meaningful accomplishments. I know I have so much more in store for me, for my continued growth, for my continual learning, for all my collaborations in the new year. Wishing you all a bright and very bubbly New Year's Eve, and I'll be seeing you all in the new year. Wishing you guys an amazing and very, very happy week ahead. Thank you so much for listening on today's episode, and I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday. Thank you.